0: Chapter 25 of Dark Hollow This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org Dark Hollow by Anna Catherine Green Chapter 25 What do you think of him now? This was the document, and these the words which Deborah, widow of the man thus doubly denounced had been given to read by the father of the writer in the darkened room which had been and still was to her an abode of brooding thought and unfathomable mystery no wonder that during its reading more than one exclamation of terror and dismay escaped her as the once rehabilitated form of the dead and gone started into dreadful life again before her eyes There were so many reasons for believing this record to be an absolute relation of the truth. Incoherent phrases which had fallen from those long closed lips took on new meaning with this unveiling of an unknown past. Repugnances for which she could not account in those old days she now saw explained. He would never, even in passing, give a look at the ruin on the bluff, so attractive to every eye but his own. As for entering its gates, She had never dared so much as to ask him to do so he had never expressed his antipathy for the place but he had made her feel it she doubted now if he would have climbed to it from the ravine even to save his own child from falling over its verge indeed she saw the reason now why he could not explain the reason for the apathy he showed in his hunt for reuther on that fatal day and his so marked avoidance of the height where she was found then the watch Deborah knew well that watch. She had often asked him by what stroke of luck he had got so fine a timepiece, but he had never told her. Later it had been stolen from him, and as he had a mania for watches, that was why, perhaps, God was her mind veering back to her old idea as to his responsibility for the crime committed in Dark Hollow—yes, she could not help it—denial from a monster like this a man who with such memories and such spoil could return home to wife and child with some gay and confused story of a great stroke of speculation which had brought him in the price of the tavern it had long been his ambition to own what was denial from such lips worth though emphasized by the most sacred of oaths and uttered under the shadow of death the judge was right Oliver whose ingenious story had restored his image to her mind with some of its old graces had been the victim of circumstances and not john scoville henceforth she would see him as such and when she had recovered a little from the effect of this sudden insight into the revolting past she would her thoughts had reached this stage and her hand in obedience to the new mood was lightly ruffling up the pages before her when she felt a light touch on her shoulder and turned with a start the judge was at her back how long he had stood there she did not know nor did he say the muttered exclamations which had escaped her the irrepressible cry of despair she had given when she first recognized the identity of the stranger may have reached him where he sat at the other end of the room and drawn him insensibly forward till he could overlook her shoulder as she read and taste with her the horror of these revelations which yet were working so beneficent a result for him and his it may have been so and it may have been that he had not made his move till he saw her attitude change and her head droop disconsolately at the reading of the last line she did not ask as i have said nor did he tell her but when upon feeling his hand upon her shoulder she turned he was there and while his lips failed to speak his eyes were eloquent and their question single and imperative what do you think of him now they seemed to ask and rising to her feet she met him with a smile ghastly perhaps with the lividness of the shadows through which she had been groping but encouraging withal and soothing beyond measure to his anxious and harassed soul oliver is innocent she declared turning once more to lay her hand upon the sheets containing his naive confession the dastard who could shoot his host for plunder is capable of a second crime holding out a similar inducement nothing now will ever make me connect oliver with the crime at the bridge as you said he was simply near enough the hollow to toss into it the stick he had been whittling on his way from the oak tree i am his advocate from this minute her eyes were still resting mechanically upon that last page lying spread out before her and she did not observe in its full glory the first gleam of triumphant joy which in all probability judge ostrander's countenance had shown in years nor did he see in the glad confusion of the moment the quick shudder with which she lifted her trembling hand away from those papers and looked up squarely at last into his transfigured visage oh judge she murmured bursting into a torrent of tears how you must have suffered to feel so great a relief and then she was still very still and waited for him to speak i suffered he presently proceeded to state because of the knowledge which had come to me of the scandal with which circumstances threatened us oliver had confided to me after the trial mind not before the unfortunate fact of his having been in possession of the stick During those few odd minutes preceding the murder, he had also told me how he had boasted once, and in a big crowd too, of his intention to do Etheridge. He had meant nothing by the phrase beyond what anybody means who mingles boasting with temper, but it was a nasty point of corroborative evidence, and heartbreaking as it was for me to part with him, I felt that his future career would be furthered by a fresh start in another town. You see, he continued a faint blush dying his old cheek old in sorrow not in years i am revealing mysteries of my past life which i have hitherto kept strictly within my own breast i cannot do this without shame because while in the many serious conversations we have had on this subject i have always insisted upon john scoville's guilt i have never allowed myself to admit the least fact which would in any way compromise oliver a cowardly attitude for a judge you will say and you are right but for a father mrs scoville i love my boy i what's that the front door bell was ringing in a flash deborah was out of the room it was as if she had flown with unnecessary eagerness to answer a bidding which after all reuther could easily have attended to it struck him aghast for the instant then he began slowly to gather up the papers before him and carry them back into the other room had he instead made straight for the doorway leading to the front of the house he would have come upon the figure of deborah standing alone and with her face pressed in anguish and unspeakable despair against the lintel something had struck her heart and darkened her soul since that exalted moment in which he cried henceforth i will be oliver's advocate when the judge at last came forth it was at reuther's bidding a gentleman wished to see him in the parlour now this was so unprecedented even of late when the ladies did receive some callers, that he stopped short after his first instinctive step to ask her if the gentleman had given his name. She said no, but added that he was not alone, that he had a very strange and not very nice looking person with him, whom mother insisted should remain in the hall. Mother requests you to see the gentleman, Judge Ostrander. She said you would wish to if you once saw the person accompanying him. With a dark glance, not Directed against her, however, the judge bade her run away to the kitchen and as far from all these troubles as she could. Then, locking his door behind him, as he always did, he strode toward the front. He found Deborah standing guard over an ill conditioned fellow whose slouching figure slouched still more under his eye, but gave no other acknowledgment of his presence. Passing him without a second look, Judge Ostrander entered the parlor, where he found no less a person than Mr. Black awaiting him there was no bad blood between these two whatever their past relations or present suspicions and they were soon shaking hands with every appearance of mutual cordiality the judge was especially courteous i am glad said he of any occasion which brings you again under my roof though from the appearance of your companion i judge the present one to be of a no very agreeable character he's honest enough muttered black with a glance toward deborah for the understanding of which the judge held no key, and then changing the subject, you had a very unfortunate experience this afternoon. Allow me to express my regret at an outbreak so totally unwarranted. A grumble came from the hall without. Evidently, his charge, if we may so designate the fellow he had brought there, had his own ideas on the subject. Quiet out there! Shouted Mr. Black. Mrs. Scoville, you need not trouble yourself to stand over Mr. Flanagan any longer i'll look after him she bowed and was turning away when the judge intervened is there any objection he asked to mrs scoville's remaining present at this interview none whatever answered the lawyer then mrs scoville may i request you to come in if she hesitated it was but natural exhaustion is the obvious result of so many excitements and that she was utterly exhausted was very apparent mr black cast her a commiserating smile but the judge only noticed that she entered the room in his bidding and sat down by the window he was keying himself up to sustain a fresh excitement he was as exhausted as she possibly more so he had a greater number of wearing years to his credit judge i'm your friend thus mr black began thinking you must wish to know who started the riotous procedure which disgraced our town today i've brought the ringleader here to answer for himself that is if you wish to question him judge ostrander wheeled about gave the man a searching look and failing to recognize him as anyone he had ever seen before beckoned him in i suppose said he when the lounging and insolent figure was fairly before their eyes that this is not the first time you've been asked to explain your enmity to my long absent son nah i've had my talk wherever and whenever i took the notion oliver ostrander hit me once "'I was just a little chap then, and meaning no harm to anyone. "'I kept a pestering of him, and he hit me. "'He'd better have hit a feller who hadn't any memory. "'I'd never forgiven that hit, and I never will, "'and that's why I'm hittin' him now. "'It's just my turn, that's all. "'Your turn? Your turn! "'And what do you think has given you an opportunity to turn on him? "'I'm not in a talkin' mood just now,' the feller drawled, frankly insolent, "'not only in his tone, but in his bearing to all present.' nor can you make it worth my while you gents i'll not take money i'm an honest hard-working man who can earn his own livin', and you can't pay me to keep still or to go away from shelby a day sooner than i want to i was going away but i gave it up when they told me the things were beginning to look black against old ostrander that a woman had come into town who was a stirrin things up generally about that old murder for which a fellow had already been electrocuted and known something myself about that murder and old ostrander i-i well i stayed the quiet threat the suggested possibility the attack which wraps itself in vague uncertainty are ever the most effective as his raucous voice dry with sinister purpose which no man could shake died out in an offensive drawl mr black edged a step nearer the judge before he sprang and caught the young fellow by the coat collar and gave him a very vigorous shake see here he threatened behave yourself and treat the judge like a gentleman or-or what the bulldog mouth sneered see here yourself he now shouted as the lawyer's hands unloosed and he stood panting i'm not afear to you sir nor of the judge nor of the lady nother i know something i do and when i gets ready to tell it we'll just see whose coat collar they'll be handlin i come cause i wanted to see the inside of the house olaf strander's father doesn't think him good enough to live in. it's grand but this part here isn't the whole of it there's a door somewhere which nobody never opens unless it's the judge there i'd like to see what's behind that ere door if it's something to make a good story out of i might be got to keep quiet about this other thing i don't know but i might the swagger with which he said this the confidence in himself which he showed and the reliance he so openly put in the something he knew but could not be induced to tell acted so strongly upon mr black's nerves that he leaped toward him again evidently with the intention of dragging him from the house but the judge was not ready for this the judge had gained a new lease of life in the last half-hour and he felt no fear of this sullen bill poster for all his sly innuendos he therefore hindered the lawyer from his purpose by a quick gesture of so much dignity and resolve that even the lout himself was impressed and dropped some of his sullen bravado i have something to say to this fellow he announced looking anywhere but at the drooping figure in the window which ought above all things in the world to have engaged his attention perhaps he does not know his folly perhaps he thinks because i was thrown aback to-day by those public charges against my son and a string of insults for which no father could be prepared, that I am seriously disturbed over the position into which such unthinking men as himself have pushed Mr. Oliver Ostrander. I might be, if there were truth in these charges, or any serious reason for connecting my upright and honourable son with the low crime of a highwayman. But there is not. I aver it, and so will this lady here, whom you have doubtless recognised for the one who has stirred this matter up you can bring no evidence to show guilt on my son's part these words he directed straight at the discomfited poster of bills because there is no evidence to bring mr black's eyes sparkled with admiration he could not have used this method with the lad but he recognized the insight of the man who could bribes were a sign of weakness so were suggested force and counter-attack but scorn a calm ignoring of the power of any one to seriously shake oliver ostrander's established position that might rouse wrath and bring avowal certainly it had shaken the man he looked much less aggressive and self-confident than before however though impressed he was not yet ready to give in shuffling about with his feet but not yet shrinking from an encounter few men of his stamp would have cared to subject themselves to he answered with a remark delivered with a little more civility than any of his previous ones what you call evidence may not be the same as i calls evidence if you're satisfied at thinking my words no good that's your business i know how i should feel if i was old ostrander's father and you would i know let him go spoke up a wavering voice it was deborah's but the judge was deaf to the warning deborah's voice had but reminded him of deborah's presence its tone had escaped him he was too engrossed in the purpose he had in mind to notice shades of inflection. But Mr Black had, and quick as thought he echoed her request. He's forgetting himself. Let him go, Judge Ostrander. But that astute magistrate, wise in all other causes but his own, was no more ready now than before to do this. In a moment he conceded. let me first make sure that this man understands me. I have said that there exists no evidence against my son. I did not mean that there may not be supposed evidence. That is more than probable. No suspicion could have been felt, and none of these outrageous charges made without that. He was unfortunate enough not only to have been in the ravine that night, but to have picked up Scoville's stick and carried it towards the bridge, whittling it as he went. But his connection with the crime ends there. He dropped this stick before he came to where the woodpath joins Factory Road, and another hand than his raised it against Etheridge. This I aver and this the lady here will aver you have probably already recognized her if not allow me to tell you that she is the lady whose efforts have brought back this case to the public mind mrs scoville the wife of john scoville and the one of all others who has the greatest interest in proving her husband's innocence if she says that after the most careful inquiry and a conscientious reconsideration of this case she has found herself forced to come to the conclusion that justice has already been satisfied in this matter you will believe her won't you i don't know Drawled the man a low and cunning expression lighting up his ugly countenance she wants to marry a daughter to your son any live dog is better than a dead one i guess her opinion don't go for much recoiling before a cynicism that pierced with unerring skill the one joint in his armour he knew to be vulnerable The judge took a minute in which to control his rage, and then addressing the half-averted figure in the window said, Mrs. Scoville, will you assure this man that you have no expectations of marrying your daughter to Oliver Ostrander? With a slow movement, more suggestive of despair than any she had been seen to make since the hour of her indecision had first struck, she shifted in her seat and finally faced them with the assertion, Ruther Scoville. Will never marry oliver ostrander whatever my wishes or willingness in the matter she herself is so determined not because she does not believe in his integrity for she does but because she will not unite herself to one whose prospects in life are more to her than her own happiness the fellow stared then laughed she's a good un he sneered and you believe that bosh mr black could no longer contain himself i believe you to be the biggest rascal in town he shouted get out or i won't answer for myself ladies are not to be treated in this manner did he remember his own rough handling of the sex on the witness stand i didn't ask to see the ladies protested flanagan turning with a slinking gait towards the door if they had only let him go if the judge in his new self-confidence had not been so anxious to deepen the effect and make any future repetition of the situation impossible you understand the lady he interposed with a quiet dignity which was so imposing on the bench she has no sympathy with your ideas and no faith in your conclusions she believes absolutely in my son's innocence do you ma'am the man had turned and was surveying her with the dogged impudence of his class i'd like to hear you say it if you don't mind ma'am perhaps then i'll believe it i she began trembling so that she failed to reach her feet although she made one spasmodic effort to do so. I I believe—oh, I feel ill. It's been too much. I—her head fell forward, and she turned herself quite away from them all. You see, she ain't so eager, Judge, as you thought, laughed the bill poster, with a clumsy bow. He evidently meant to be sarcastic. Oh, what have I done, moaned Deborah, starting up as though she would fling herself after the retreating figure, now halfway down the hall. She saw in the look of the judge as he forcibly stopped her, and heard in the lawyer's whisper as he bounded past them both to see the fellow out, Useless, nothing will bridle him now, and finding no support for her despairing spirit, either on earth or, as she thought, in heaven, she collapsed where she sat and fell unnoticed to the floor, where she lay prone at the feet of the equally unconscious figure of the judge, fixed in another attack of his peculiar complaint and thus the lawyer found them when he returned from closing the gate behind Flanagan. End of chapter twenty five